0: book of Deuteronomy please hallelujah you know I have so much material I wondered this morning I was reading over this pretty early I says Lord where am I going to go with this with all the holidays coming up so much but we're going to see where we can get to this morning with it turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8 please Deuteronomy chapter 8 And let's just read uh, the first couple or three or four verses see how we get on. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. You know, we've been doing this series of Remember Me. And last week when we were in Deuteronomy chapter 7, just look across the page at it for a moment. We had in verse 17, the repressed heart, the repressed heart which brings fear. The repressed heart brings fear. And look at it please in verse 17. If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are more than I. How can I dispossess them? I'm not going to do a whole recap. But when fear strikes the heart, we find that we are paralyzed with it. Things are too great for us. We're never going to accomplish the goal. We're never going to make it. And yet the Lord says, Remember me. Remember I'm with you. Remember it's me and not you. I do the work. So remember that's the repressed heart. Is there someone this morning... With a repressed heart. Here is your strength this morning, and the word of the Lord to you this morning, when it looks too much, and he says unto you, he says, Remember me. Amen. We forget him in our minds and hearts, and what we do is we look at the situation and the things that lie ahead of us, the things that have been before us, and the circumstances around us, and then at all the Lord says, Remember me, you're forgetting me, I'm your God. I'm with you, neither to leave you nor forsake you. I am with you. Remember me. Then in verse 18 we have the remembering heart. This is when things change. Notice, thou shalt not be afraid of them, but thou shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. Remember the remembering heart. So we have the repressed heart is fear. The remembering heart is faith. When faith replaces your fear, uh, the storm may still be on all around you, but you have a peace, the peace of God, the pass of all understanding. It's peace I leave with you. Peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, says the Lord. And so we have the repressed heart for fear, and now we have the remembering heart, which brings faith. Faith is replacing the fear and changing within you rather than changing out And around about you. We're always telling the Lord about our mountain, aren't we? We're always telling the Lord about our giant. And that's okay. But how about with faith comes telling your mountain about your Lord. And telling your giant about your God. And replacing that with the faith that is there. Even if that faith is just the size of a grain of mustard seed. There is faith to remove mountains. And then in verse 19, we have the revealed, or the revelation to the heart. The great temptations which thine eyes saw, and the signs and the wonders, and the mighty hand and the stretched out arm, whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out, so shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Here we have this revealed heart, or the revelation of God to the heart, and that brings favor. Fear, and then faith, you'll find favor you find favor in God removing all of those who stand and all of those things all around you. He brings you through. You're not staying there, brother. You're not staying there, sister. You're not going to be dying in that situation. God is bringing you through. He's taking you by the hand to lead you out. He showed signs and wonders, and he says, Remember me. Remember well what I've done. Remember well that I am God. Remember well I'm still in charge. Remember well that I'm still on the throne. Well remember, he says, that I'm the one who brought you before and what I've done before I can do it again. So remember who he is. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 2, we go into relationship with the Father. Relationship with our Father. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2, thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart. What's in your heart? He knows what's in your heart is to manifest your heart, to change your heart. Sometimes we need to know who we are and God needs to show us where we are with him and even where we are in our walk that he might show it to us, that he might reprove us, humble us, To reprove us, to make us better. That is to draw us closer to Him. Notice what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep His commandments or no. Are you going to walk with Him in the good times only? Or do we walk with Him in the hard times, the difficult times, the times that really beset us and are fearful to us, worrying? He says, I'm still God, I remain the same. Circumstances change and your heart changes. But I'm showing you, here's your heart. Replace the fear with the faith and watch me bring favor. Watch me, he says, I am the Lord. Notice, remember all the way. All of it. All the way of the wilderness, Israel. Remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee, these 40 years in the wilderness, to humble thee. It's not nice when you're being humbled, sir, is it? Do you know if we were to humble ourselves? The Lord wouldn't have to humble us. And whenever the Lord does the humbling, that's the hardest. He says that He would humble us and to prove us to know what was in our heart. For example, in verse, if you let your eye run down to verse 3, and He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. God allowed these things to happen and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord, doth man live. And you would think to hear many believers, you'd think to hear many Christians, that all that they're working for, laboring for, jobbing for, uh, working at, is all everything in their life. And the Lord says, it's not. Man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the Lord. What has the Lord said to you about something that He's put His finger on? Your will, your plan, your desire? Or what has He said about your fears and worries and anxieties? He says, You're not trusting me. The bills need met. Of course they do, and we should labour. But the Lord says, I'm your provider. I'm the one who gives to you. And you're not trusting nor resting in me. And so you're anxious. And you're worried, you're concerned, and you're afraid because of the things that are around us or the things that are in our homes. And the Lord says, I'm proving you to see, do you really trust me? Let's be honest, brothers and sisters, if you and I as Christians, let's put every one of us in the basket for a moment. If you and I as Christians really, truly believe in God, we'd be different. If you and I as Christians really truly believe not only in God, if we really truly believe that there's a judgment to come on a lake of fire, a burning hell, you and I would be different how not only we live our own lives, but how we worship him who has rescued us. And not only that, we would be different how we treat and how we deal with others. Our families, we're afraid. Our friends, our work colleagues, we're afraid to tell them the truth in case we offend. yet they're going down the freeway, the motorway, full pelt. And someday they're going to come to a terrible end. If we really believe that, and if we really believe that God sees our every move, hears our every word, we would watch our tongues. we would watch our minds. The problem is with our own mentalities and our mindsets, we believe God when it suits us at times. Way in there we do believe, but if we had the reality, the truth, the wholeness of it, of the living God, then we'd be different. Notice, man shall not live by bread alone. What is God's word but by every word? What does God say to you this morning? Listen, I could give you a list of stuff that might help trigger your memory. I don't need to. For he does it. He brings that thing. He brings that person. He brings that circumstance. He brings that situation. He brings it to your mind. Maybe the Lord's telling you that you haven't been faithful to him nor even to your meetings. Maybe the Lord's telling you something like that. Maybe the Lord's putting his finger on something that he asked you and to hand over to him to see if you would obey his commandment or no. And the idea of his obeying, no, it's mine. Maybe the Lord has told you to rest in him and, and to trust him in some situation, but being who we all are, we rest in you, Lord, we trust in you. But as soon as we put our head on the pillow at night, oh no, what am I going to do? And it's quiet. Because we're all the same, aren't we? We're all the same. I believe God has spoken to hearts already. I believe this morning is already pinpointed into minds. I believe he's already shown us. He says, I'm humbling you. I'm proving you to see what your heart's made of. There's a lot of Christians, can I just speak honestly? Okay? Open my heart. There's a lot of people and they're full of waffle. I'm just being honest. And they think the pastor doesn't see it. And I go, Okay. Because it's not up to me. It's between you and him. It's between you and him. Our lifestyle, our living before him, the truthfulness of our hearts and our tongues before him at all times. Will you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, please? And you may say, well, last week there was a real sense of his presence, even just like when we were praising this morning. And now, Pastor, I feel that you have just maybe thrown a big bucket of water over my joyful heart. You have just extinguished my flame. When God chastens children, listen, he chastens his own. And if you feel the pang, I'm not condemning here, because I threw us all in myself, didn't I? I'm not condemning here. But when God chastens, he chastens his own. And the fear of being chastened, then give glory to God. Because if he let, let you and he let me go on our own ways, our lives would be a disaster. It would be worse than ever. And I'll tell you what else will happen You'll fall away from him. He'll be nowhere in sight to you. There'll be nothing to draw you back. Listen. Thank God for the shepherd's crook. The chastening of the shepherd's crook to pull the sheep back into the way. When I would wander from the path astray, then he will draw me back into the... In the darkest valley, I shall fear no ill. For he, my shepherd, will be with me still. Notice here in Hebrews 12. Let's eye on down to verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Notice, he chastens. Listen, see when the chastening is against uh, an obstinate heifer. See, when the chastening is against a a, a dumb minded sheep, the scourge can come out. And sometimes he has to scourge it out rather than just chasten us. And he does it because he loves us. Because he loves us. I thank God for his chastening. Honestly, I do. You know why? Because see, this man, this man's no good. This man would be away in his own agendas or away, away floating off in his own cloud looking to do something else and he'd end up in disaster. In fact, this man without him would probably be out with the drunkards in the world. Talk about me. He keeps me. And when I'm stepping out of fellowship with him and things are starting to get a little... And distant between us, he hasn't went anywhere. Guess who's moved? Me, you. He draws us back, and we're walking the wrong way. And there's a road of danger. There's a path that is not in his, uh, is not for his promises, and, and it's not in his plan. Do you know what he does? He starts to scourge us. He said, "Israel, I'll feed you. You'll take my meat though. You'll take my bread. Ah, oh, we don't want all of that." We want something different, Lord. He says, but you're mine. Notice here, he not only chastens, but he scourges every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, brother, endure it, sister, endure it. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons, as with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Listen, brother, sister, you don't go next door and chasten the children next door, do you? Or up the street? It's your own children you'll chastise. God doesn't chastise other children. He doesn't chastise the worldly. He doesn't chastise those who are not his sheep. He chastises his own. So when you're feeling the chastening rod and hand of God, then you say, Lord, I don't like this, but I thank you for it. It's good for me. It's good for me. Verse 8, but if ye be without chastisement, we're off, all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. You're illegitimate, you're, then you're not his. You're mixed with other things. <clears throat> Verse 9, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Notice, you know, whenever, nowadays it's, you know, sit on an naughty step or do something like that know where where our naughty step was? In the end of my dad's shoe leather. That's the truth. Or a belt. A leather belt. Didn't do us any harm, by the way. Notice here. He says, your fathers did it. See, sometimes, I don't blame my dad and I when I think about it, you know, but when we were younger and there was four of us in the house and we were all, Uh, let's just say we could get rowdy. But not only rowdy, there was always trouble coming to the door. And no wonder my dad used to lose the head with us, especially me. Even if we were noisy. Sunday morning, we weren't a church-going family. We weren't a family of Christians. And my dad was a family man, but he had a drink on a Saturday night. And if he had a bit of a swollen head on the Sunday morning, we're making too much noise. He'd come in and this. You know, and I felt the, the scalp. And that was for his benefit at that time. You know why? Because he had the sore head. Now He was a good father and he was a loving father. But nevertheless, that's what happened. You see, we, we, we do it sometimes and we put them out of the road, but we can't stick it anymore. It's for, our, it's for the parents' benefit. But here, the writer says, no, fathers do that, parents do that with their children, but God doesn't do it like that. And he doesn't do it for that purpose. And he says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we give them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? If we endure this chastening and correction, and if we walk with him and are drawn back in. Come on, brother, sister, you know. You know as true as I'm standing here before you. You know as sure as your Bible is open on your lap. You know as you have it in your hand, as sure as the page is speaking it to you. You know of your own self. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Not with me, but with God and with yourself. You know that God has said to you, you have drifted. You know that God has said to you, you're not what you used to be with me. Even you've left your first love. You know in your heart what he's saying to you. And I feel in the spirit I'm saying that. that that you've wavered and you've wandered and you're wayward and you've run after other things and left me in second, third, fourth or tenth place God the Holy Ghost he's speaking to you now and he's told you that and there's times when we could do better and be better and this morning at about 7 7.30 I was driving my car and I was praying in the car driving and I says Lord make me better please oh God make me better we know that don't we God has placed it this is the word we sang it but the truth of his word and we are spoken by the spirit and the word you know this is like taking medicine it's like taking medicine that's rotten to swallow but it's good it cures the ill it cures the trouble Shall we not rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits? The Father of your spirit. The Father of your spirit. He's correcting you. Because he loves you. See, if he didn't correct you, I'd be more concerned. I would have maybe at least once a week, at least, Others, I mean, more than once a week, but on this sort of occasion, at least once a week, where someone would phone me, I get phone calls all throughout the week, and where someone would phone me and say, oh, "I feel I've let the Lord down, or I've done this, or I've been away, or whatever happened, fallen away from Him, or even feel backslidden and hard and uh, there's nothing left." I mean, I want to go into the Word, listen, see, because they even phone me looking for the help because the Lord has placed me in the authoritative position as the shepherd. you know what's happened? The Holy Ghost is still there. It proves and it shows that you're a child of God. Because see, if you weren't, you'd sin, you'd go into the world, you'd fornicate, you'd go and get drunk and you'd take your drugs or whatever you go and do, or you'd walk away and you'd feast yourself in the dainties of life and not give two hoots about what God says or thinks about you because you're still dead. But because you do, because you do, and you feel it, that's a proof you're His. You're a child of God. And He's saying, I love you. This isn't nice, Lord, but I love you. Notice in verse 10 For verily, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. Notice, but He for our prophet. That we might be partakers of his holiness. Notice that one verse. Pleasure. Profit. Partakers. Here's the pleasure. But it's over that way. As humans we do it. Chastise for pleasure. Do things for pleasure. But here. He for our profit. It's not for his sake. It's for our sake. Why? That we might be Partakers in his holiness now know chastening for the present seems joyous would you say present, present. would you say it one more time present. you know why it says present because when you're going through it it isn't joyous but the chastening stops when we yield to the leading I'm going to say it again the chastening stops when we're yielded to the leading, the leading of the Lord. For no chastening for the present seems joyous, but grievous, nevertheless, afterward. Would you say afterward? afterward? So now you have present. That's now what you're going through. That's present now, because you're maybe saying, Lord, I don't want to give this up, or I don't want to do that, or I don't want to be better. Here's present, and then here is Afterward present, afterward. See, afterward that's where we all want to be. We want it to be over, don't we? But this time in the present you may not think it, you may not even believe it but I'm going to tell you according to the word, this is one of the most blessed times in your life because this is where God is drawing you closer to him. You're not going to realize just how wonderful he is if you're always on the mountaintop, you know why? Because when everything goes well with us, we forget God. Do you know when we remember Him? Well, we need Him. But do you know the problem is? We always need Him, mountain or valley. Notice, now no chastening for the present seems joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You want to do your exercises? have a, i've got into a habit now on a saturday night get the indian take away pile the plate like a mountain and i'm stuffed and then i'm like a pot pig rolling around the city i'm going oh god forgive me there i've just committed gluttony and within about an hour i'm back in sniffing around the cupboards with the snout in the trough And I'm looking and last night I pulled out a tin of custard and a full tin of, 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 of tin fruit and I put it all into one big bowl and squirted cream up like that and I had to hold lot. <laughs> and then after that I was <laughs> I had a nibble after that. You see I was sitting on the and I was just thinking about it after I'd done all of that. Pardon me, after I had the Indian it was. And I thought, I need to get myself sorted out here. Yes, belly. Like, you know, it's, my, my, suits are, my suit trousers are near busting at the buttons. I need to get myself sorted out. I need to get back into the gym and get myself trimmed up again. And you know, I haven't been able to get into the gym because it hurt my arm for months here. I haven't been able to get back in. I need to get some exercise done. And so I went and I had my custard, my fruit, and my cream. (laughs) And actually the night before that, it was Stan's birthday and I had two or three big plates of food and then I had another couple of desserts piled up. And I sort of thought, I shouldn't be eating all this. Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't be eating all of this. And I thought that, and I was thinking again early this morning and praying and I felt, Lord, maybe if I exercised my spirit in your word, in your presence, for your glory. Maybe then it would be more beneficial for me. Want to exercise? Here's the best exercise you can get. Of course, look after the temple, which is your body, but this is the best exercise you can get. Notice here, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Notice Proverbs 3, verse 11, if you want to turn to it. Proverbs 3, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And verse 11. My son, notice relationship. Relationship. My son, not another's son. So he chastens his own. Despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. <laughs> no matter how you chasten your children, you love them, don't you? How much more does he love us as his own? Proverbs 15, just while you're in Proverbs, let's go to it. Just the one verse. He says, A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. And I could say all of us have been fools at times, according to this, haven't we? For a fool despises his father's instruction. See, whenever I, even right up to recent years, just before my dad passed away, I thought he knew nothing. You're an old lad, you know. You're just an old man. What do you know? I wish he was here to let me tell me some other stuff. I miss him for it. I was like, What do you know? What is he? That's only my dad. Hope my daughters are listening to this. Are you? What do you know? I see them the same. Now. My dad. <laughs> what does he know? Did you get that too? Don't you? My dad. Does he know? I've been round more bends and corners and I'm still learning. And sometimes the son can look as it says here in Proverbs 15 and verse 5, a fool despiseth his father's instruction. What do you know, dad? Listen, see when the young people sometimes we come and they would talk to me. And some of them talk to me that even just when they came in off the street and they would talk to me about worldly issues. They think they're going to shock. I'm going to see the minister. I'm going to shock him. <laughs> well, what do I tell you? And there's maybe a few switchers come out of them, you know. You need the bleeping machine sometimes. And I just go, son, I've heard it all before. You don't impress me one bit. Now, come on, do I tell you what you need to do? And what do you know? Been there, seen it. Done it, wore the t shirt back to front and inside out. I think the fool, the older ones ahead of them. I thought that too. And here we're like that in the Spirit and the Word with our Heavenly Father. I don't want to yield to you, and I know you're telling me, listen, well, look, here's, let me put you, let me just open my heart again. So the pastor is preaching, and he tells you some Sunday, come on. Get out to church because, you know, I see that you're wavering and I see that you're getting uh, laxadaisy and I see that you're, you're lounging and, and, and you're, getting, you're getting lazy and your walk with God. Come on, get out to the meeting and get together when the Lord wants you out. And, and you know what happens? See, that night, people go, I'm not going out because he said that. <laughs> That's the truth. That is the truth. Pastor Jason, do you find that out as well? Sure, Africa's no different be worse (laughs) but that's the truth he's telling me I'm not going to do that even subconsciously let the Holy Ghost tell you you have been wandering from me you have been wayward in your heart from your time Between you and me, he says. You have been holding back and holding off from me. You have had opportunity. You have had opportunity. And you never took it. But rather, you discarded it. I have opened the door and called thee in, but thou hast turned away back. I feel that it's in the Spirit. Come back, child of God, come back. Come back to your Father. Come back to the fold. Come in to his house and worship your Lord. Notice, a fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. you know what Psalm 103 and verse 5 tells us as, like as a father pitieth his children so the Lord pitieth them that fear him respects him reverences him notice as a father pities his children and I can also tell you when you're watching your wee ones I've seen a couple of wee babies with us this morning too and as your father, as a father or mother, and you watch them, they start going and going. They're all cuddly, aren't they? And they're all, you see, you get them, and especially women, you get to go, oh, smell them. Oh, they're lovely. Smell them. See, about a half an hour out here, oh, smell them. <laughs> and the father goes, oh, no. Your turn, dear. You clean them feed them. You nurse them. You look after them. And then they start to do you know that bit when they manage to flip over on their belly and they're like like they're skydiving? Don't they? And then suddenly they get on their hands and knees and they look like they're stop motion. Don't know where to go back or forward. They can't make it. And then they get first gear and off they go. They start getting on their feet. They're around the furniture and all the ornaments go up another level. Around the room. And then they fall and You lift them up and you check, they're all right. And on you go. That's what you're like before your father. Like as a father. But says, children, he's watched you. He's nourished you. He's fed you. He's cleaned you when you've been dirty. He's done all of it. He's watched you try to walk and you weren't able to get it right. He's watched you trying to move forward whenever you couldn't. And now that you have, he's watched you and you're tottering and dottering and you're falling more times on your tail end and on your feet. And he keeps lifting you and setting you on course again until you're able to walk on your own account. Then he starts to instruct you more. So way the Father, works with us. In the Spirit, that's what he does. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them the fear them. The idea of this is, brothers and sisters, is that he wants us to remember him who he is. He is our Father who loves us. But there's some big, dirty, knobby Christians They've been on the road or else in the road for years and years and years and they're still filling the nappy. For our American viewers, diapers. <laughs> Isn't that true? Especially as you pass it, you find it out. They haven't grown in God. They haven't grown up. They haven't matured in the things of God, nor the Word of God, nor the Spirit of God. They haven't matured. They're not walking. And the pastor has to come along and sometimes go, "Mm, we change our number. Notice Deuteronomy 8 and 18. I'm going to have to close in a second. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. But thou shalt remember thy God For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. The Lord says, remember it's me who's given you everything you have. Remember, it's me who's given you the job. Remember, it's me who's given you the the money or the car or the house or whatever. Remember, it's me who's given you the health and the strength. Remember, it's me who's given you the child or the children. Remember, it's me who's given you all things. He says, but if you forget me and worship other gods, oh, Lord, I would never do that. I would never do that. Well, what about this? That the Holy Spirit's showing you now. Job. Even family. Self. Business. And he who was on the throne is now brought down to second place. Then he goes to third place. And then he goes further. Further down. He says, I gave you that. James. Listen to what he says. James 1 and 17. Every good gift and perfect gift is from. Where is it from? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from. Will you shout it? From. And cometh down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. He gave you it. He gave you it. And he says, I've given you this. I've been good to you. Remember, you found that favor. Don't forget me. Because it becomes another God. I'm going to say this and I'll close because of too much material. In Deuteronomy 7 and verse 18. Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. Remember me, he says. Remember where I brought you from. Remember the blood of the Lamb. Remember I redeemed you when you couldn't save yourself. I couldn't redeem your own self. I redeemed and saved you. I brought you out. I did the work. I did it all. Remember? well remember what the Lord thy God did. In other words, if he's done it before and he's slain enemies and giants, he'll do it again. He's your father and he loves you. And secondly, in chapter 8 and verse 2, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Notice, uh, well remember, he says in 7 and 18, and then remember all the way that the Lord thy God led thee. Remember, look back at your life and how God's came through before. Look back at your life and see what God has taught you. And here's the thing what have you learned in your wilderness? Have we learned from that time? Have I learned? Have you learned? I'm speaking to myself first. What have we learned in times of hardship? When we, we were looking, where are you, Lord? And He has humbled us for some reason, and He's proved us to see what's in our heart, whether we'll go on with Him or no, keeping His word, His commandments, to be faithful unto Him. Notice that, and we, we, we think about these things and we say, well, what did we learn from it? If we learned who He is, revelation of who He is. Remember, revelation is where we bring the, where favour comes. Remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. And then in verse 18 of chapter 8, look at what he says. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. So, when we think on these things, what God has given us is more than enough. At this moment in time, you're struggling. This moment in time, you're weary. This moment in time, you're tired or maybe you're ill or whatever it may be. And all these things may be against you. But listen, at this moment in time, God says, my grace is sufficient for thee. For therefore, my strength, he says, is made perfect in weakness. Do you know the, do you know there's times that I can come up and I, 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 I'm just talking in in openness and honesty with you. There's times I'm driving to church and I have a message and I have rehearsed it. I have rehearsed it in my study. I've prayed over it. I've thought about it and I went and read it again maybe on a Saturday and a Saturday night and then I went and read it early Sunday morning and I'm coming to church and I'm, I'm all full of Beans and buttermilk and power and glory, you know, and I'm ready to go here and preach a real blinder. Uh, And sometimes I feel like I talk, as we would say in Belfast, like a pan loaf. It's like I swallowed a Belfast bap. if anybody knows what a Belfast bap looks like, that's a good one. That's the truth. Go home deflate it. Deflated. Discouraged. Go home discouraged. Not because of anyone else, because of me. Because I thought it was my strength. Then there's times I come in in fear and trembling and my weakness and maybe some things have been against me and there's been hardships or people's problems and worries and stresses and you're praying for them and you're looking for them and they're not they're not turning up and you see them waning and you're concerned about them and all of these things you come in and you're going lord i really just, i don't want to go to don't even want to go to church today but you're here and so i come in and when going open the open the word to say lord i don't even know what to do i don't even know what to say i just feel terrible and in that weakness all of a sudden, people go, that was for me. God spoke to me. That was right to my heart. Oh, God challenged me. Do you know why? It's in the weakness he gets the glory. Because in me, I, I can't get the glory. You can't get the glory. When you're weak, he is strong. So my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, I would rather most Rather glory in my infirmities. Listen, I'll glory—not that he wants to be ill or he wants to have an infirmity, he wants to have a tax on him by anyone. But he's saying, "I want to—I will glory in those infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. When you're at your weakest his—in his will, you're at your strongest. You're at your closest, and it's a blessed time." Because God has drawn close to a wayward spirit and a divided heart. God bless his word to us this morning. For Jesus' name's sake.